Praise God. And once again, to all of our guests and friends, if you're here visiting with us this morning for the first time, or maybe you've been here a couple of times and just kind of checking things out, kicking the tires, uh, if this is your first time or or you're not been here very much, we welcome you in Jesus' name. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for taking time out of your Sunday to worship with the Sanctuary Quad Cities. We are so delighted that each and every one of you are here. And I believe that God has a word for us in this service today. I believe God wants to speak to every heart. Whether your faith in God is new or you have had faith in God from your earliest memories and passed down to you by parents and grandparents, I I thank God for that. But God wants to speak something fresh and new to us in this house today. God wants to speak something to us. As you remain standing, Deuteronomy chapter 8 is where I want to draw your attention this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I'm going to read one verse of scripture again. I want to say welcome to all of our guests and friends that are here visiting from out of town and family members. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, church family, for uh, holding up the West family in prayer this week as we paid tribute to and buried uh, Brother Roland West. Thank you for supporting that family in prayer, and it's just good to see everyone in the house. Good to see our friends, Jessica and Matt. Uh, We've known Jessica since she was a little girl in the church in Florida that we spent a whole lot of time in, and her parents are now missionaries in Brazil, and they are here for the weekend. Good to have them here and all of our guests and friends that are here. Uh, While you're relaxing this afternoon, getting geared up for the picnic tomorrow. Everybody knows there is a picnic tomorrow, right? You don't want to miss that. Uh, Picnic tomorrow right out behind the church and, uh, you know, bring your sack lunch, bring your, uh, bring your uh, whatever sandwiches or grill or whatever you want to bring. We're going to have a great time out here and everyone is invited. Uh, pray for me while you're relaxing this afternoon. I'm going to be driving to St. Louis to preach your service there uh, and then turn around driving back early in the morning uh, to make it in time for, I think we're kicking off the picnic with the national anthem, right? Is that Memorial Day? First picnic kicked off with the national anthem. What time is that? 10.55. You don't want to miss. 10.55 is the kickoff, the national anthem. So I'm going to I'm going to not get a ticket. We're going to not get a ticket coming back, but we're going to race back uh, here in the morning for the picnic. It's going to be a great time, and everyone is invited. Everyone's invited. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 2. And you shall remember. Everybody say remember. You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way. Is there anybody thankful? That he didn't leave you part of the way. (laughs) But you got a God who has led you all the way. He led you all the way, Scripture says, these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you. To know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. I want to focus on the first phrase of that verse for this message today, but we're going to spend some time walking through this entire account in chapter 8 of the book of Deuteronomy. 
where the Lord charges his people. He said, you shall remember. You should remember. And I want to preach to you for the next few minutes about an enemy called amnesia. An enemy called amnesia. Would you lift up your voice to the Lord and would you ask the Lord to talk to your heart right now before we're seated together? Would you ask the Lord to speak to you in the name of Jesus, Lord, right now? By your power, by your spirit, God, do a work in this room that only you can do. God, I thank you for somebody that's already planning to be baptized at the conclusion of this service. And God, I thank you for others that are going to be baptized and others that are going to come to repentance and receive your spirit and others that are going to be renewed in the power of your spirit. God, I pray that you would touch our hearts and change our lives, God. I pray that you would do a deep work in us today. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and we give you praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. 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 Turn around, high five somebody and tell them it's good to see them before you're seated. It's a special weekend. It's a particular weekend weekend. We will celebrate. We'll feast. We'll barbecue. We'll have fun. We'll have a picnic if you're here at the sanctuary. We're going to play some softball. You might throw some bags or some horseshoes, but in all the fun that we're going to have this weekend, all the family, it is, I believe, important to understand that The real reason for Memorial Day is for the purpose of remembering. It's the purpose of thinking back. And it's really a weekend that should be filled with remembering. Nothing to be taken away from our barbecues and celebrations. Those should all be fun. But we should remember in the back of our minds through all of that that there are those who have given their lives that we can have the freedoms we enjoy. There are those, as we honored them earlier in the service already, who have paid the ultimate price. And the adage is certainly true that this is the land of the free because of the brave. Those who have fearlessly fought for and defended their nation and their land. I understand that our nation is not without issues. I understand that we are a society fraught with problems and the the song title really is true. Jesus is the answer. It's not a political solution. There is no societal solution that can be offered except Jesus. He is the answer for our broken world and he's the answer for our broken nation. But with all of the problems that we see on the front page of the newspaper and the breaking news headlines day after day, week after week, we must recognize that we are beneficiaries of some pretty tremendous blessings that are not widespread in the worldwide community. That we are beneficiaries of some freedoms and some benefits. And we must remember the the cost that was paid and the price that was paid by those who laid down their lives because it reminds us, it keeps at the forefront of our mind that freedom is not free. And free 
freedom never really is free. And really anything good in life worth having and celebrating is not free. We're fighting an enemy as a nation, and the enemy is not just the the enemies named in recent headlines, but we're fighting an enemy that I'd call amnesia this morning. We're fighting the enemy of amnesia, the inability to remember things. The inability, amnesia in its uh, simplest definition, and there's various types uh, of amnesia, but at its simplest definition, it is the inability to recall or remember. And we as a nation are fighting some historical amnesia, if you will. We, we daily, every day, we enjoy blessings and freedoms and societal benefits that only a very small fraction of our world enjoy ever in their lifetime. But we enjoy them every single day and they've become so commonplace uh, we don't even think about them. And I believe if we are not careful we are easy to have forgotten the price that was paid for those freedoms to be enjoyed in our daily lives. It was Sir Edmund Burke in his famous quote that said those who do not who don't know history or don't remember history are doomed to repeat history. The inability to remember causes someone to lose touch with their past. The inability to remember causes someone to lose touch with the reality of what was and the reality of what has been. Researchers at the University of Washington, uh, uh, St. Louis, they discovered that the ability to remember the past goes hand in hand with the ability to envision and step into the future. Let me say that again. They've studied and determined that the inability to remember the past, amnesia as it were, as it relates to things past, inhibits someone from truly envisioning their future and from truly stepping into and laying hold of their future. We have to remember our past so that we can determine the course for what we need to continue to become. And I've come to preach to you today, not a national message, not a message for the nation per se, but I've come to preach a message to the church and tell you that this is a biblical principle. This is a biblical concept that we find all throughout the pages of your Bible. Remembering is a concept that you find from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. God, again and again, calling his people to remember. He told Joshua to set up some stones and to make a memorial so that he could, they could remember the crossing of the Jordan. God said, I don't want you to forget that I'm the one who took you across this river. He told his disciples in John to remember his words. He said, I don't want you to forget anything I'm telling you, everything I'm telling you is of value and of importance. That's what we do in communion. We remember the Lord's body. We remember the price that he paid and the blood that was shed and his body that was broken for our healing and our redemption and our forgiveness. We as a people of God are called to fight off the enemy of spiritual amnesia. We are called to fight back the enemy of uh, our, our faith, and that is forgetting what God has done in our lives. 
in the first part of our Bible, in the Pentateuch or the Torah, the first five books of your Bible, in the law, we find in the book of Deuteronomy that God commands his people to remember. What does he want them to remember? He says, I have led you through some things that I want you to specifically remember. Our, our text that we read in chapter 8 and verse 2, God said, And you shall remember that the Lord your God has led you all the way. It was in my message, but I couldn't wait, and I had to say it when I was reading the text. We need to understand that God is not a part-time God. God is not a God that only leads you on Sunday morning uh, from 10 a.m. Uh, to 11.15. God is not a once-in-a-while Jesus uh, that shows up in your life uh, and helps you here and there and leaves you on your own uh, in the in-between time. But God said, I want you to remember that it was the Lord your God that led you all the way. Even when you didn't see it. So what do we remember today? I'm telling you first, we need to remember following the Lord. And what following the Lord looks like, following by very definition, indicates that there has to be something or someone that is leading me. And God said, I want you to remember that I led you and you followed me all the way. Now, there are some that would believe that God only leads us into good times and good things and sunshine and rainbows and cotton candy. That's the kind of leading we want from God, right? But the reality of life is that there are times that you go through a wilderness experience. There are times you walk through some uncertain places in life. And God specifically was telling them, I want you to remember that I led you all the way through your wilderness. Somebody needs to hear the word of the Lord today and understand that the same God that was with you when you stepped foot in the wilderness uh, has not forgotten you in the middle of the wilderness. The same God that began leading you is the same God that is still keeping you. The same God that started you on your journey is still with you in the depths of your wilderness. I know the wilderness may get bleak sometimes, but you got to remember what it is to follow the Lord. That sometimes He leads me in ways I don't see. Sometimes He leads me in paths I wouldn't choose. And He leads me down roads I do not understand. He said, I led you. I led you the whole way. And I led you, now this is what we really don't like, I led you to humble you. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Now, the wilderness is much easier to understand if we can blame it on the devil. Well, but I believe there's some folks that walk through wildernesses because God says, I got to get the pride out of you. I, I, I got to lead you through some ways that are going to chastise you. I got to lead you through some things that are going to provoke you. I got to lead you through some things that are going to whip up on you because I'm going to humble you to let you know that I'm God and you're not. 
He said, I led you to humble you and, watch this, to test you. I wanted to prove you. I wanted to humble you and I wanted to test you. Now, Israel, Israel, this nation, this people of God, God's led them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. That's what he's talking to them about in Deuteronomy chapter 8. 40 years of humbling them. 40 years of them learning to trust God. 40 years of them learning that God has not forsaken or forgotten me. Can I tell you, I hope it doesn't take me 40 years to realize that God is more concerned about my humility than he is my quality of life. I hope it doesn't take somebody 40 years uh, to realize uh, that God is more interested sometimes uh, in proving you than he is in providing for you. God said, I was going to test you, uh, and I was going to prove to you. Uh, and they got a little frustrated when they didn't get the, the McDonald's Happy Meal that they ordered, and they didn't get it when they wanted it, and they didn't get it their way right away. But God said, I'm going to prove you before I provide for you. And then if you'll trust me and if you'll take what I give you, I'm going to prove you while I provide for you. God is able to put you through the test and sustain you in the process of the test. God said, I want you to remember, I'm going to prove you, I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to test you in the wilderness. Uh, He's letting them know, I've done some incredible things in your life, but you must not forget. You must remember. You must fight off the enemy of spiritual amnesia. You must remember that it's me that has brought you through, uh, that it is me that has led you this entire world. Way. Somebody must remember that we are following God. We are not leading God. God will not be led by human hands. God will not be led by the fallibility of a human heart. But God is wanting to be in the forefront of your life. God wants to be in the driver's seat of your car. God doesn't want to be a passenger along for the ride. Well, pastor, what's that look like? God doesn't want to be a box that you check after you've already made your decision. God doesn't want to be a line item on your to-do list every day after you've already made your plans and cemented your plans in. God says, I want you to remember that I have led you. That means you need to keep following me. I charge somebody today. Keep following the Lord. It may not be easy sometimes, but just keep following. You may not understand it sometimes, but just keep following. He said, I want you to remember not just what it was like being led by me, but I want you to remember, secondly, I want you to remember the fear of the Lord. He said a few verses later in verse 5, he said, you should know that the Lord it's God, it's me, it's, it's, it's your God. It's not the wilderness, it's not the Pharaoh. But you got to remember that it's the Lord, your God, that does these things that chastens you. Fear of the Lord, not an anxiety-filled trepidation. Fear of, of the Lord, not this, not this dread, uh, but, but fear of the Lord that is really faithful reverence. It's faithful reverence. An understanding that he is 
God. He is Lord of all. He is holy and righteous and I am not. On my best day, I'm not. And so I have a reverence. I have a faithful reverence for him, a fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord in the New Testament is discussed as being the antidote or the cure, the the preventative maintenance, if you will, for living a careless religion or practicing a careless, pharisaical religion. The fear of the Lord is described in the New Testament as an incentive to repentance, an incentive to humility. And God tells his people, I want you to remember the fear of the Lord. I want you to remember that I am Lord of all you should know in your heart. That is a man chastens his son. So the Lord God chastens you. Just as a parent, just as a good father. Everybody say a good father. A good father. Which, by the way, just a quick PSA. Ladies, kids, Father's Day's coming. You should be planning. It's a very important day. Very important time, right? I think you have two weeks to get all your Amazon orders in and all of those things, right? Find out what dad wants, right? Is it two weeks? Two weeks, right? Three weeks? I'm getting conflicting reports. You know what? Let's just take a vote. Why don't we say we just celebrate it the whole month of June? All of All the ladies. He said, as a good father chastens his son. You know, a good father doesn't just give him Twinkies all day. I don't know if a good father gives him Twinkies much at all, but that's beside the point. A good father doesn't just let a kid eat Skittles for dinner. A good father doesn't let him eat cotton candy for breakfast. Right? Hello? I'm not getting many amens, so I'm afraid that some of you fed your kids some candy this morning. Our nursery workers will be very thrilled about that proposition. A, a good father chastens his son. That doesn't mean he runs around the backyard playing tag, chastened. That's not what that means. It means he chastises him or he disciplines him. Now, it's 2022, so I'm not going to define what that looks like for you. But I'm going to tell you what our world is in lack of is some faithful fathers disciplining their sons. Fathers, just as a side note, if we don't step up and be the godly men that God has called us to be, we will create a problem that a school cannot fix, that a Sunday school cannot fix, that a church cannot fix. If we don't step up and be the men of God God's called us to be, they will spend years, maybe decades, maybe a lifetime trying to fix what we did in them. Just a little side note. He said, as a good father, as chastens his son or chastises his son. Why do you do that? You do that out of love. You do that out of care and concern for their well-being. And he said, so it is that the Lord God chastens you so that you will keep the commandments of your God to walk in his ways and 
fear him. In other words, God says, I want you to have a healthy respect, a reverence. I want you to stand in awe of my presence. I want you to stand in awe of my law and my ways. I don't want you to take it lightly or cast it aside. Or, Well, that's just the part of the service we do at about 1030 on Sunday morning. No, I want you to fear me. I want you to be in reverence of me. I want you to understand that I am your God. God had to chastise Israel. He had to chasten them or discipline them. He chastised them because of their doubts, because of their unbelief, uh, because of their gum bumping, because of their murmuring and their complaining, because they didn't know how to be quiet and just obey. Can I tell you, God will still punish that? God will still get after somebody. Well, he'll still get after somebody, murmuring, complaining. You may think you got away with it, because it hadn't happened yet, but the judgment of God is swift. You're playing with fire you don't want to get burnt by. You ought to just fear the Lord. You ought to humble yourself, uh, and you ought to repent. And the bigger picture is an entire generation missed out on the promised land because of their doubt, because of their lack of faith. Uh, that's why Hebrews says uh, anybody that the Lord loves, he chastens or he chastises. Uh, anybody that the Lord loves, uh, he, he scourges every son he receives. In other words, that means he disciplines any son or daughter he receives or accepts into his kingdom. Uh, we ought to remember. Remember this as believers. We ought to understand uh, that the fear of the Lord, uh, it means that I understand that there is a God who's able to get after me. There's a God who's able to correct me. And the, the fear of God is not just this, this awful thing as we might think of it. But the Bible says the fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom. Uh, that when I stand in reverence of a holy, righteous God, uh, when I recognize that His laws are perfect uh, and His ways are right, uh, it is the beginning of wisdom uh, and it becomes a catalyst for my worship. Uh, it becomes a catalyst for my devotion uh, and my disciplines as a believer. The Bible says in the book of Revelation 15, Who shall not fear thee, O God, and glorify thy name? In the book of Revelation, the redeeming crowd that's crying out, they're dancing before the Lord, and they're asked one question. Who shall fear the Lord and glorify his name? That the fear of the Lord is tied to worship and glorifying his name. Earlier in the book of Revelation, the angel commands every living thing in heaven and in earth to glorify him, to fear him first, then glorify him and worship his name. You know why there's people that can know God but come to church and never offer an ounce of worship or a teaspoon of praise? You know why? Because they really don't fear God. Because the fear of God, the reverence of God, we need a restoration in our nation for a reverence, a fear, a respect for God. And do you realize what started what started as an irreverence for the ultimate authority in the world, God himself, has now morphed into an irreverence and a lack of respect for almost any authority figure. Let me just, a side note again, parents, you do yourselves and your children well to teach them a reverence and a respect for authority in their life. 
I, I, I could get down a bunny trail here real easy, but if you're the parent that's always siding with your kid against this teacher and that teacher and that principal and that Sunday school teacher and that person, you are creating a monster. You need to teach them to respect authority. The Bible says, uh, I'm, I'm, off, I'm off here. Uh, the Bible, I, I'm on, but I'm off my notes. Uh, the Bible says all authority of, of God. What does that mean? Does that mean ungodly men in authority are of God? No, that doesn't mean they personally are of God. It means God uses authority to teach us, test us, and prove us, uh, and keep our, our spirits uh, and our pride in check. That's what God uses uh, authority for. And in that way, yes, all authority is of God, whether you like the authority or or not it's of God that's the Bible he said I want you to fear me and worship me and the fear is connected to the worship you know what would happen if we could get a fresh revelation if we could remember if we could get rid of our spiritual amnesia about the fear of God if we could get back hold of the fear of God we would never have to be prompted to worship again we would never have to be reminded that it's time to clap our hands or lift our hands or lift our voice again if we could walk in with a fresh remembrance uh, with a reverence a fear of God and who God really is in my life uh, we would enter his gates with thanksgiving uh, we would come into his courts with praise uh, we'd be thankful unto him and bless his name uh, you couldn't quiet us down you couldn't sit us down you couldn't shut us up because uh, our fear is connected to our worship oh somebody give God praise right now somebody give God glory right now in the name of Jesus, we worship you. We praise your name. We glorify you. We lift you up. We lift you up. We lift you up. You can be seated for just a moment. He said, I want you to remember following God. I want you to remember the fear of God. And then finally and lastly, he said, I want you to remember the faithfulness of God. He spends the balance of this chapter talking about all the ways God was faithful to his people. He said, remember thy God. Verse 18. He said, remember thy God. He's been faithful to you. He's been faithful to the people of Israel. In verse 3, this is what he said. Deuteronomy 8 and 3. He said, he humbled you. And he allowed you to hunger. <laughs> you cannot prove biblically that God is very concerned about our comfort and quality of life. That's an American gospel, but it's not a Bible gospel. If you try to prove that God's chiefest concern in your life is comfort and quality of life, you would have a tough time reconciling that with the multiplied millions of believers around the world that have the same Jesus you do, that have the same God I do, have the same spirit and lifestyle I do, and yet... Their life is much more discomforted than mine is. He said, I humbled you. I allowed you to hunger. And I fed you with manna or food. I love this 
verse. I fed you with stuff that your parents didn't even know about. In other words, God is reminding us uh, that I have been faithful to you and you ought to remember that I've got resources uh, that your parents didn't even know about. Uh, I've got resources that your forefathers uh, didn't even understand. What's that mean to me? That means sometimes we, uh, we understand that we're facing, as every generation faces new challenges and new difficulties. And we are facing things in society and in the church today that previous generations simply have never faced. That's true. That's true. We're facing things today that our forefathers never faced. But I've got good news for you. God has manna to sustain you in a season that he never fed your forefathers. So with the fresh challenge comes a new power. And with a fresh challenge comes a new provision. And with a fresh wilderness, God says, I'm still going to be the God who is faithful to you. I'm still going to provide. I'm still going to be there. I'm going to give you manna that you didn't even know existed. Oh, somebody ought to get faith right now. Somebody ought to have faith right now. God's ready to dip into a resource that you didn't even know existed. God has bank accounts you don't even know are there. God has stores you don't even know are available. God says, I know how to provide for you. So you ought to understand, I was faithful. Watch this. Your fathers didn't even know. And I wanted to teach you what? That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, part of your wilderness is that I am teaching you that you cannot be sustained only on natural things, but you must be sustained on the very word of the Lord. It's not just what I get from the grocery store. It's not from my bank account but it's the word of God that sustains me I can live on this word and I can be happy I can live on this word and I can be successful I can live on this word and I can be provided for I can live on this word and I can have peace in the middle of chaos he said, that's what I was teaching you. He said, remember this. And then the next verse, he said, and I was so faithful to you, your garments didn't even wear out on you. Yeah. Now, for some of you that like the shop, that would be a nightmare. <laughs> because that's your excuse to your spouse, right? Hey, it's getting worn out. It's getting, right? He said, their garments didn't even wear out, nor did your feet swell. Now, sometimes walking for 40 minutes might, ugh, I need to sit down. These people walked for 40 years, and God said, I knew how to keep your feet from swelling. In other words, I know how to protect you on the journey. I am able to stop the natural laws of time and humanity and space. I'm able to, I'm able to suspend the natural laws of the universe to prove to you that I am faithful to you. Oh, does anybody remember today that God is a God who is faithful? Does anybody remember that God is a God who has never let you down? Is there anybody that remembers here today uh, the fear of the Lord uh, and the faithfulness of God that there is a God who has never forsaken me? 
He's always on my side. He's still on my side today. He was on my side in the wilderness. He was on my side in the valley. He was on my side on the mountaintop. And he is still on my side today. And for that, I give him praise. Somebody lift up your voice and praise him right now. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody give him praise right now. Somebody remember the faithfulness of God in your life. Uh, somebody bring to recollection uh, all the times he's been there and all the times he's proved himself. Uh, you are a faithful God, uh, and I praise you. Uh, you are a faithful God, and I give you glory. Hallelujah. 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 And finally, he said, you got to remember when you're remembering my faithfulness, that it is God, it's the Lord your God, that gives you power. He goes on and on, talking about all the things that he did for them. All these great things he wants them to recall and to remember. He goes on and on and on for all these verses. He says, beware not to forget the Lord your God. Don't forget and the way I know you didn't forget is that you're still keeping my commandments oh I remember I remember he said the way I know you didn't forget the way I know you've defeated the enemy called amnesia is because you're still keeping my commandments can I tell you his commandments are durable to every generation his commandments are good for every time, every culture, every people. He said, I want you to remember the faithfulness of God. And you show it by keeping my commandments. And then he, he kind of backtracks in verse 17 and 18. Verse 18, he goes back. He says, remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the power. It's he who gives you power to get wealth. In other words, anything that you have done on your own, God says, newsflash, it wasn't on your own. <laughs> anything you think you have achieved in life by your own intellect or your ability or your training or I really did this, I've really accomplished this he said you need to reframe that <laughs> you need to remember that wealth is not just talking about money it does apply to money remember that it's God who gave you the ability to get every dime in your penny bank to get every penny in your bank account it's God who gave you that it applies to financial wealth but it's not just financial He's saying anything that you have achieved in life, anybody here today understand that you're blessed. Anybody here today understand you've got some things in your life.
you don't deserve. Is there anybody here today that says, you know what, I know there's some good things in my life and, and, and maybe I haven't recognized it fully, but God wants you to remember this morning. He wants you to understand this morning that it is from Him whether you realize it or not. You didn't do it on your own. You didn't do it because you were born into the right family. You didn't do it because you grew up in the right neighborhood. You didn't do it because you got the right grades in school. He said you didn't get it because this is how you were trained. You didn't get it because you just were born with this ability. You got it because I gave you this ability. You got it because I gave you the wisdom. You got it because I gave you what you needed. And so he said, I want you to remember that every good, this is what the New Testament writer would say, every good and perfect gift, everything good and right in my life, it's not something of my own making, but it's something that comes down from above. It's he who gives me the power to get wealth. It's he who gives me the power to be uh, to have a good family. It's he who gives me the power to have food on the table. It's God. I wonder, I wonder what kind of reverent, fear of God-filled worship would pour out of this place today if we really took a minute or two to pause and remember where all the good things in our life came from. I started off by telling you this is a weekend of remembering. Nationally, those who have paid the price. But I wonder if we paused to recognize. Did you work hard? Yeah, you probably did. But it was not your hard work that produced it. It was the Lord who gave you the ability. It was not your brain power that did it. It was God who gave you the ability. It was not some gift given by your fathers or grandfathers. It was God who gave you the ability. It wasn't because you're just good and righteous and you're just naturally an all-around great person. It was God who gave you the ability. I wonder what kind of worship could flow out of this place in the next few minutes of our time together if somebody would really take time to pause and think about the good things in their life. Some Somebody would really take time to pause and remember some of the things that we have taken for granted and say, Lord, for this, whatever this is, for this, I give you praise. For this, I rise and praise you. For this, I humbly bow and I thank you. God, for everything in my life that I do not deserve and everything in my life that I did not do on my own, God, I've come today to give you praise. Would you stand with me all across this room? And would you lift up your voice heavenward to a holy God that's worthy of every ounce of your praise. Would you lift up your voice and would you begin to give it to him for just a moment right now? Come on, all across this room, somebody give God praise. All across this room, somebody give him praise. Come on, all across this room, somebody give him praise.
Somebody ought to begin to step out of your seat right now and walk to this altar if you remember that he's been faithful to you. If you remember that he has led you through a wilderness, you ought to begin to thank him for it. If you need faith to understand that he's leading you right now, you ought to step out of where you're at and say, Lord, let me remember. And in my memory, let there be an infusion of fresh faith. God, in my memory, let there be faith. God, as I recognize that it you have done it before you can and will do it again uh, somebody lift up your voice uh, and let your praise be filled with memories uh, let your worship be filled uh, with a memory bank full of every good thing God has done in your life come on that's it that's it step out of where you're at get into an aisle get as close as you can uh,